Hi friends, welcome back. It's Cindy Silva. I'm here with my friend, Nate Guadani. Welcome, Nate. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, it's fun to have you. Yeah, I was just um, sharing with Nate before we hit the record button that um, I'm returning to hosting conversations and this is the podcast called Metaphysical Wisdom, which may be changing its name to energetic wisdom. We're gonna see about that. So um, you can feel into that with me today, Nate, and see how you feel about that name change. One of the reasons I've invited Nate to this conversation is because I really just am so inspired by your creativity for one. Um, but I came across your website um, a while back and just noticed that you were integrating yoga and qigong in a very interesting way and that you had developed your own method and form of yoga called bow yoga um, listeners can find out more about that at bowyoga.com um, and i took some of your classes online just really felt that uh, we had a kinship and a, um, a common lineage if you will of teachers and it's turning out to be mm -hmm. true um, so I wanted to invite you into the conversation and share a little bit about how you came to, um, yeah, find your profession, you know, in helping people stay healthy and introducing them to some of these ancient systems and this beautiful way that you integrate them in such a fluid offering. Um, anything you'd like to share about your background to start us off would be fun to hear. Mm. Yeah, thank you. Um, it's been a it's been a, a long journey because I was just thinking the other day. I just turned thirty six this year, and I started yoga and meditation when I was eighteen. So literally, mm. I, uh, half my life now has been really focused on this work uh, full time. This has been my main focus, and uh, I came across meditation when I was in New Zealand. I was getting really bored with high school and getting into trouble, and just kind of needed a change. And so I saw this exchange program offered and I was like, get me out of here. So uh, Lord of the Rings came out that year. That might've been one reason why I picked New Zealand. Um, but I went there, met an incredible host family that I stayed with for the year. And my host brother and I were really into this kind of uh, self-discovery. We discovered meditation and yoga and kind of just we're at that age also where we were asking these questions, you know, who am I? What do I want in my life? what is important, what direction do we want to go? And yoga really gave me a lot of tools to find my confidence, to find myself, who I am, what I want. Uh, it gave me the ability to tap into authentic power, which I never felt I had. I think I was always a bit insecure and anxious and just kind of, that's why I was getting into trouble. I was just kind of bored and didn't know what I wanted to do. And um <clears throat> it gave me a, a, a direction. And so when I came back to America, I went on this quest and started seeking out every teacher I could find and got into chanting and Buddhism and uh, meditation and yoga and this and that, this and that, uh, was signed up and ready to go to Oriental Medicine School. And I was going through my prerequisites, college courses. And I found this teacher um, who really just blew my mind and, and this mentor got me on the path in an organization called Don Yoga. It's a Korean form of yoga and um, stayed with the organization for about 10 years. And the 
the organization has its problems for sure and its ups and downs, but I was able to discover a lot of the benefits, a lot of the power and a lot of the um, potency within those training methods. They kind of were a conglomeration of Taoist yoga, Taekwondo, uh, Indian yoga, meditation. The, the founder and the, uh, the group were also uh, drawing upon many sources and putting together this kind of fusion of practices and principles and philosophies. And I think that resonated with my personality. I really like to be creative. I like to try new things. And um, within that uh, time there, I started getting into martial arts and I loved the bow staff and I loved yoga. And I started kind of messing around with combining the two and seeing how these bow staffs, these traditional tools actually make really great yoga props. I started tinkering around and kind of discovering some of these ideas. And then in 2015, I left the organization and kind of struck out on my own, uh, kind of a second starting point um, after about 10 years with the company. And Bo Yoga had come as this calling. It was like this assignment. It felt like this, like, you need to do this. You need to share this. It was this really powerful idea. And the more I shared it, the more people responded. And it's such a simple tool, but it also allows for so much creativity, the flow arts. It allows for accessibility. It felt like it was really meeting a lot of needs for what the yoga world was asking for at the time, where people were realizing it's not just for skinny, flexible people. Like we need to include more people in yoga. We need to make this accessible. We need to reconsider some of the old ways. And it felt like this tool had a place in the world of, of yoga. And since then, I think also beyond the world of yoga. So that initial inspiration really carried me through. And, uh, you know, I started Bo Yoga and uh, combining Qigong yoga, these new props, uh, these new ideas really just developed um, a community and a business around it and uh, continue to evolve. I've, I'm now working with fall prevention, working with seniors. Um, I continue to have a lot of interest and, um, yeah, it just, it's just really been an incredible journey. I think the, the constant uh, thread though, as you said, is I think what gives me purpose is that sense of service, uh, helping people, being creative and sharing these incredible healing arts with people because as much as I spend time in this world, I'm realizing that it still is a, a really big need right now. There's a lot of people that have never even tried this stuff and I feel like they're missing out and I'm always excited when somebody new comes and that light bulb goes off and they experience the joy, the power, the energy, the confidence that I felt when I started. Beautiful. Well said. Thank you. Yeah. I could pull a thread off of all a little. Yeah, there's a lot. <laughs> parts there, but let's see where to begin. Well, I too am noticing as I introduce the staff to my classes, um, the excitement, the curiosity, um, the playfulness, and the flow, the synchronicity. There's just a lot. Of, I sort of, you know, went in this direction to see, is this something I want to integrate and, and get more serious about bringing to this community that I've created around Qigong and yoga? Um, so I put it out there, reached out, you know, um, help people get a hold of their own bow staff, purchased the bundle of them at the club that I work at 
and people love them. I mean, it's just been a beautiful thing to watch and inspiring for me because I'm an integrator and I love synthesis and I like the diversity. So when I teach this bow staff, bringing this into the, the field, so to speak, has just brought a whole nother palette of color to possibility of how mm -hmm. I want to blend. And um, I'm very excited about it. And I'm excited about participating in your teacher training coming up. We can talk a little bit more about that. Um, but before I forget and leave, leave this thread that's here wanting to be um, attended to, one of the main things is, you know, I'm a lot older than you and I've been doing yoga for over 25 years. And as, as I'm noticing, um, I still like to do a good hearty practice, but it's helpful to have this prop, this bow staff, um, that I can still do a good practice, but I have this support that takes some of the weight bearing off my knees or hips or whatever it is. Um, so I think as we grow and mature with the practice, we, if we're tuned into our body, we realize um, we don't want to push ourselves as far. Um, and this, this tool, um, among all the others, the blocks and straps and so forth, is just really right in alignment with um, the timing for me. And a lot of my students are my age and older, so it's been fun to um, give people this extra confidence. This, yeah and um yeah yeah that's that's right it's it's interesting because like you said it, it, i i also feel the same way that like my practices and what i teach sometimes are different sometimes i personally might want a really vigorous class and then when i'm teaching somebody they might be needing something very gentle very relaxing and um and it's interesting because i've always felt drawn to teaching uh, working with people older than me um, my students have always been like my parents' age, my grandparents' age. And I think it, part of it is just because we're interested in the same things. I think I'm more interested in the bigger questions. You know, why are we doing this? Like, uh, can I, you know, make my body last 100, 120 years? You know, uh, can I just feel good in my body? I haven't really been, although I like the more acrobatic stuff that you see maybe young guys are into the handstands and the the, you know, the real flashy stuff. I may do those on my own, but I don't really enjoy teaching them at all. And I don't really think they're that useful. You know, you can go to gymnastics and do that. And, um, and the, the bow staff, although it has all these potentials because <clears throat> maybe I'll show your audience what it looks like. So um, the bow staff is originally, you know, a stick of wood, right? Uh, and, and what I've developed, what I found is, is by using these, this more like flexible material and it's padded and it has traction on the ends, it, it allows for balance, like you said. So maybe you're taking some weight off of your joints in a uh, half moon pose or a warrior three or a tree pose. Um, maybe you're using it for alignment. You know, you can kind of press it against your, your body and kind of tune into the, the parts of your body that can connect to it. But also you can use it to challenge yourself too. Like it can be used to actually take your body into ranges of motion you wouldn't be able to get to otherwise. Um, so that's kind of fun too. It's like a carpenter has a saw and a hammer and a screwdriver. And the more tools you have as a teacher or a student, the more interesting things you can create. 
And so, yes, we've got the blocks, the straps, the chairs, the blankets, uh, the bolsters. And, you know, I've always felt like the, the staff really just belongs in the prop family. You know, it's kind of like this, uh, this cousin or something, you know, and, and in fact, there is a president. Uh, when I first discovered how much I loved using the bow staff in yoga, I started looking around, and I couldn't find very much, but eventually I started seeing other people using them. A Yengar would use, um, you know, wooden ones, and he was more interested in alignment and, you know, making your body in these perfect angular geometric shapes, which I don't necessarily agree with. I think alignment's important, but um, there's, there's certainly, um, I think, form following function rather than the other way around, which I think it's easy to get into when you obsess over alignment a little much. Um, so, and I've seen other teachers kind of using their own props and, and sticks and staff. So I feel like it's, there's kind of a staff revolution starting to happen. I think people are still discovering it uh, again, because I've been doing it so long. I'm always like, what are you all waiting for? Like, this is amazing. You know? <laughs> so it's always fun to see people who, who kind of get it uh, and, and see the value. And I think it does take a teacher though, because sometimes I'll hand it to somebody and they're like, I don't know what to do with it. But when I give it to you, you know, you recognize it, you see, and then you take it further. It's like, you've discovered things I never thought of, you know, you're, you're already using the staff in new and creative ways. And that's what really excites me. I really wish that, um, that everybody would think about all their props in the same way, blocks and straps. I think students sometimes get into that mindset where they're just like, I'm just going to try to do it right. Or just follow the teacher. And there's certainly some value in that, but at the same time, there's a whole other world when you start thinking creatively and thinking strategically how these props might work depending on what your goals are. And I think it opens the door for a whole lot of things, not just in our class, but in our life. I think it opens a mindset up and it opens opportunities. So that's, I think, the big vision of the staff is like, how can this assist the opening of the mind as well as the body? And how can we refresh our practice? You wrote a beautiful article about body boredom and uh, how we can kind of get stuck in a rut and just introducing a new tool, a new idea, I think sometimes can unlock that for yoga teachers and for their students too. Mm, definitely. And reconnect us to that playful spirit inside because we tend to get kind of serious about our practice. And then it's um, right. that, that seriousness is a narrowing, right? And we want to be broadening as we enter our practice. Mm. That's um yeah. Well, something else you said um, reminds me of another thing we have in common. And, you know, we both really enjoy the philosophy attached to these practices too, not just the physical practice. Of course, you want to take the, the philosophy, the intellectual understanding into action and experience it directly. But if we're just going into experience and not having the philosophical understanding or the um, the understanding from the traditional ways of how they came to realize um, the benefits of these practice, then it's it's not the whole package in my mind. And so when COVID hit, um, the way that we responded to it here in our community with um, our Qigong group was we started to uh, do book studies on Zoom and we would study Qigong, um, the philosophy, through different teachers. And um, mm. so then when we would practice, people would have the 
the concepts to apply to what they were actually physically doing. And that really broadened um, the knowledge and the appreciation for what we were engaging with. And I really recognize that in you, Nate, when um, I've listened to you, you know, in your in your writing as well as as your classes, as you teach, you integrate the philosophy, you, you explain, you take time um, in the beginning and throughout the class as you cue different poses, you're always pointing to where we could possibly take a clear look at how is this posture affecting this, an internal organ, for example, versus mm. just the surface level. So I appreciate that and I recognize that we both have that in common and um, I see how your students really respond to that. And um, the questions that they come up with are very educated questions, very intelligent questions. And I know that comes from your dedication as a teacher to help people understand um, beyond just a, an exercise that they're entering a field of knowledge and um, mm yeah, that's, that's connected to a lineage that's getting carried on through your students. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a beautiful way of putting it. It's a field of knowledge. <clears throat> it's true. It's, it's, um, and I think for me, I've had a, a really broad exposure to many, many teachers. And I think that's really what's so different about the past generations, you know, as as teachers were very hyper-local, you know, for thousands of years, you know, you had the person in your village or the person in your region, and you didn't really have the ability to go on YouTube and listen to Sadhguru and Eckhart Tolle and, uh, you know, teachings of the Buddha and all in the same afternoon. Uh, we just had one teacher or maybe one philosophy and probably the majority of people around you all believe the same thing. And so, there's there's a lot of value in that lineage and in the power and the, the endurance, the, the legacy, the, uh, the history, and the reason why some things get carried on are because they're valuable. And at the same time, we live in a very different world and we have very different needs in, in some senses. Um, and we have a lot of options. And so it's, it's interesting when you talk about that balance of, okay, well, how much of the, the history in the past is important to bring to the present and how much of our current understanding and the new things we can bring in with science and neuroscience and physics, metaphysics, that we can now apply and look through a microscope and a telescope at the same thing and see it from a different point of view. Uh, that's really exciting to me too. And I think within the yoga world, the Qigong world, any really area of practice you have somewhat of these left-wing and right-wing uh dynamics as well you know there's those that are the fundamentalists who say you know it must be done the way it's always been done don't screw with it don't mess it up don't touch it it was perfect and you know just memorize and do it right and then you've got kind of that left-wing progressive like throw out the old ways let's make it all new and you know forget about that and um and obviously there's always going to be those two sides, just like in everything, you know, we've got these two forces working together and it's a beautiful thing. It's a wonderful thing to have people who feel drawn to this and people who feel drawn to that 
and each person knowing who they are and where they are and benefiting from both. Um, I think that's really exciting. There's a, I have a lot of respect for, for the past, for the teachers, the, the lineages. And I also have a, uh, an inability to just stick to those. I cannot just teach vinyasa flow. I cannot just teach Ashtanga primary. I cannot just teach the things that I've learned. I cannot, it's just not in me. I have to integrate, I have to combine, I have to synthesize, like you said, I have no other option. <laughs> that's just who I am. And uh, to me, that's really fun and exciting um, because I think we do get to uh, enjoy the, the best of both worlds. I think that's certainly possible. Yeah, agreed. I noticed that about us, you know, those of us that are integrators, and um, I think we're in the age of synthesis, to be honest, that, that you see a lot of cross-pollination and fields in emerging new fields coming out of that, which is beautiful. And um, I also notice a trend that those of us that are synthesizers that um, can't that we're not traditional, even though we, we've learned traditions and we respect them, we transcend and include them. We don't transcend and reject them. We transcend mm. the limitation of a narrow sort of way of doing things. Um, and the connection to me seems to be sensitivity. When we're sensitive, mm. um, we're open and we're taking in a lot of information. Um, mm. We can't exclude pieces of information that are valuable that can bring asset and um, value to the original thread, if you will. It's like we have to weave in these nuances that we're tracking through our sensitivity intuitively. Um, also just mm -hmm. being in a group with other individuals, we're picking up on those energies as well and what's needed in the moment. So. We might have a plan for, you know, a class and try to execute on that, but we notice, you know, midway through, we're doing something completely different. <laughs> and I feel that yeah. we're being guided by the group intelligence, right? That whatever that group field is around us is drawing out of us, uh, you know, through us that, that next piece of information that we're, we have access to through our sensitivity that's going to create more flow for the entire group. That's the whole idea is to tune into the energy and use the tools at our disposal in a unique com combination and sequence that moves any stuck energy back into flow. That's essentially sort of what I've witnessed in what gets done through me as a teacher. And I'm I'm recognizing that in you and wondering if you have um, awareness of that or um, in agreement or disagreement, whatever you'd like to share. Mm. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. That's, that's so true. It's, uh, <clears throat> I think all teachers probably sense that to some degree. Um, and I think that that's, that's really important to, to, to learn how to trust. And I think you're right about the sensitivity. That's the first step is like sensing it. And I think we probably all get those instincts. We kind of get those little impulses. And then the second thing is to trust it. 
to have the courage or have the confidence to go with it and to, to start to close that loop because I think that it strengthens the more we do that. And that's a beautiful thing about being in an intentional space and being a teacher to have that opportunity to become a conduit. I think you and I probably have both experienced that amazing feeling where you kind of disappear as a teacher. You know, it's like you're not speaking your words anymore from your, you know, stores of knowledge. You're channeling a message that is being received by the people there. And there's a beautiful feeling of integration and connection where as a teacher, we get to just enter that allowing state to be a channel for uh, whatever it is, the message, the philosophy, the idea, the concept, the, the tone, the, the warmth, the love, the energy that you project is just as potent as the information, I think as well. And it's an incredible feeling as a teacher because that energy, those ideas get to rush through us on the way to uh, those that have come to class to receive whatever it is they're receiving. And as a teacher gathers a group, as you have with your beautiful group in, in Avila Bay and the people that are attracted, that power I think becomes stronger because the harmony, the intentions of the people who have gathered are there wanting the types of things that you're tuned into. And, uh, and then they take that and they can then share that energy in their own capacity, in their own families, friends, and in their actions. It's being part of this beautiful flow. And um, it is, I think, I think everyone has that capacity. And I think being a teacher invites us to embrace those best qualities of ourselves. When I teach, I'm the best version of myself for sure. You know, it's it's an incredible feeling to uh, to go into a class and to have the intention. We're all going to feel better at the end of this. We're all going to feel stronger. We're going to feel more aligned, more connected. And everybody else who comes in, that's their intention. I want to feel better, stronger, more aligned, more connected. And when that when those two things come together, it really does open a channel to these incredible powers and these incredible energies that are wanting to play with us. And um, that I think is, is um, a really beautiful thing. And as a teacher, I think it's important to find that balance. Uh, this is one of the concepts that has really been bubbling up lately is um, how do we sustain ourselves? Because I think as teachers, we felt those moments of pure connection and bliss. And it's just like, I wanna do this forever. I always wanna feel this way. And then there are days though, when you're like, teaching is the last thing I wanna do right now. I'm so tired or I'm so uninspired and uh, you know, I don't feel like it and blah, 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 blah. So we go through those cycles. <clears throat> and over the years, I've kind of found perhaps a formula or a template that I've turned to and started to rely upon when I feel burned out or uninspired or overwhelmed. And, uh, and I call it the three pillars. And more and more, I think that this concept applies not just to yoga or Qigong or meditation teachers. I think it's to anybody in any walk of life. And uh, these three pillars, and I can share a graphic that I put together perhaps later, I can, I can integrate this or link it. But it's basically these three, kind of like a Venn diagram of three interlocked circles. And we all need teachers. We need people that we can learn from, 
feel inspired from people who have maybe been doing it longer than us or who have practiced longer than us, who have information or connections that they're sharing with us. We need that source. And that could be a physical person. It could be a book. It could be uh, a, a digital relationship, you know, a virtual class. Those teachers in our life are essential. And if we lose a relationship with a teacher, we will lose something essential as a teacher ourselves. We will start to, to lose that source of energy. We need our personal practices. We need to have time where we're not teaching, we're not learning. We are developing the initiative to do it ourselves. We are the ones sitting down and meditating. We are the one initiating our own practices. We are the one writing in our journal. We absolutely need that time for personal practice and integration. And if we neglect that too long, then we will start to lose something vital. And then the last thing is teaching others. And we need an outlet. We need to share this, whether or not it's paid or it's free, or it's just at a holiday party. I remember when I first started, I was so enthusiastic about the things I was learning. I was at some party and I would get like, I would get people sitting down on the floor and do these like toe tapping exercise. Like, this is amazing guys, you gotta try this. And I was just like, you know, showing people this energy ball. Like I just, I couldn't help but share this. And it was so fun to, to share it with other people. And um, that is essential too. And in the 18 years I've been doing this, you know, full time, I have neglected one, two, and all three of these at one point or another. And at some points I've had two out of three. And at some points I've had all three. And whatever our profession, our teaching, our ability, whatever our passion is, I think that these three pillars, our teacher, our personal practice, and sharing it with others, create this flywheel. They create this incredible, uh, sustainable power within us where we become inspired, we become integrated, and we become passionate about what we're sharing. And I think it's essential, and for any teacher who's feeling tired, burned out, overwhelmed, look at these three and see if one of them isn't missing, or maybe even two. And if you can find a way, seek out that teacher, carve out your personal practice time, because if you're only teaching and you're not doing those two, you will burn out. And if you're just learning and teaching, you're not doing it yourself, you're going to feel like a hypocrite. And if you're just <clears throat> teaching and doing it yourself and you're not learning from anybody else, you're going to get stagnant. So these three results are very predictable, I think very universal and very solvable because we can, as soon as we realize what we're missing, seek it out and recommit to it. Mm. Beautiful. I like that word solvable. <laughs> Very solvable. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it <just> sound easy. <laughs> There's a book by Marie Forleo called Everything is Figure Outable. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if it's a real I word. I, I like, like the it. word solvable because it it's reminds me of alchemy you know solve the solvent oh like a solvent i like that yeah the solvable yeah yeah something immutable mm. about it right like you can mm. alchemize anything with your intention right yeah yeah any lot. resistance can be dissolved yeah there's a lot you said there well, at another point we'll do another conversation we'll talk about the consciousness that's 
involved in that teaching and what's getting drawn out of us and reflected back to us and vice versa between student and teacher. It's all, all one in different parts, mm. right? Um, but I wanna take some time um, for myself and for my students, anyone tuning in um, that's a Qigong student to let you speak about your experience with Qigong and how um, we spoke pretty more extensively about the yoga aspect of things and integrating the bow. And now I'd love to make some time for you to share about your interest in Qigong and your training and then how you brought that into the mix. So as long as we're talking about threes, uh, let's let's mm. bring in that third big juicy piece that I know my listeners would be interested in and I'm interested in and um, you're definitely a great, mm. great resource for Qigong wisdom and teachings and you offer classes online and that would be my follow-up question to this if I forget to ask it is mm. your experience of teaching in person versus teaching online. Mm. So let's yeah, start yeah, with the Qigong piece and then flow into that if it feels, yeah, yeah. like you have enough Great. time. Qigong is, is beautiful and, and um, it really is one of the, the loves of my life. I mean, it's, it's been a practice that has, uh, I've always come back to and, and it feels endless. It feels like you'll never, it's, it's like going swimming in the ocean. Like you're never going to see the whole ocean, but you can experience that part of the ocean, those waves, that buoyancy, that flow state with just a small piece of it. It's so vast. You can include endless amounts of people within that flow to tune into it. It's, it's always abundant. Uh, there's an endless stream of energy that we have access to and Qigong gives us tools to tap into it. I think it's, it's really fun when even beginners, people who are new to Qigong can discover that endlessness and that infinite creativity that's within the essence of qi. And Qigong is qi, it's vital energy. It is unrestrained. It is incredibly versatile. It is at the, the roots of the trees that grow. It is spinning the galaxies. It is an infinite and... Uh, sustainable resource. And so the, the practices, the tools, the ability to open our body up, uh, to get into the feeling and the sensation, to sense and to directly interact and interface with the energy is a beautiful moment. And then ultimately to get to the point where you're no longer moving the chi, but the chi is moving you. That I think is such a beautiful feeling and so healing. I have felt for myself and seen in my students this panacea that is available to us because when we tap into our energetic body, the part of us that is energy, and we allow access, we allow the energy to flow, and we, and we give and we trust and we give control of our body to that energy, it moves in ways that are healing, that we have no idea what is happening. We could not diagnose, we could not find a prognosis, we couldn't find or figure out what is happening. But when you get into that flow state and you feel 
my spine likes to rotate this way. My shoulders like to move that way. I feel the power returning to my legs. I feel a release and an opening in my heart. I feel my problems melting away from my mind. There are tangible and palpable sensations of healing. And as people do this more and more often, I've seen physical ailments disappear, emotional uh, blockages uh, reawaken and open. Uh, all manner of who we are, I think we can find balance and healing through the practices of Qigong. And it's a really fun thing to start out and, and to kind of learn the forms. However, I, I really encourage students to think of Qigong forms like learning a language where you go to a teacher and if you want to learn French, you learn the sounds and you learn the word for this and the word for that and you learn the verbs and you can learn how to put together your self-expression into this language. And there's a point though where you no longer just copy and repeat the words that you've learned. You wouldn't want to go to France and then just like read out of a textbook. You want to go to a cafe and talk about politics with your friend. You want to ask questions. You want to be able to tell a joke, to articulate your own thoughts and ideas with this new language. And I think that's really what the potential of Qigong has, where even beginners, even intermediate people without a lot of experience can get to the point where they can express themselves through the language of Qigong. And the satisfaction, the joy, and the potential for healing, I think, is exponentially larger than what you're going to get by copying and trying to perfect certain forms. And that uh, limitless capacity for creativity, for healing, for the sense of guidance that comes when you tap into that state, I think is, is a really beautiful part of Qigong. And it's really baked into it because it's less strict. You don't necessarily have to um, go through these particular forms. I think Qigong has this creativity baked into it. It has this flow state baked into it. And I think that that invitation and the potential for what can happen when people accept that invitation is truly limitless. Yeah, well said. Yeah, I love that concept of um, being moved by the chi versus moving the chi. And um, yeah, because at first we do when we're learning the forms, we're in our uh, logical mind trying to get the neurology wired into the body, right? But once it's there and the momentum is um, effortless, right? We're not thinking about it anymore. It's just getting done we can become a passenger consciousness on that ride versus being the driver. And that's when, when that switch happens to where the magic can really start to flow and those spontaneous kind of healings can emerge. And often I'll have students say that they can't feel the energy and they get really discouraged because when we do the energy ball and they can't feel it. And I think what the limitation is there, what I've witnessed is that they're trying to feel it physically, right? Mm-hmm. And, and it is possible mm-hmm. to feel the sensations physically, but if I help direct their attention to 
well, do you at the end of class feel different in your mood? Oh, yes, mm -hmm. yes. Well, then you're feeling the chi, right? <laughs> Just not yeah. the physical level. Maybe it's, you know, you're feeling it emotionally or you're feeling it mentally. Um, mm -hmm. But you're noticing and registering a shift, which mm -hmm. means you're, you're relating in a way to the experience and it's having an effect, right? There's, a, mm -hmm. there's an alchemy about it. It's changing our chemistry because it's bringing our brainwave into uh, a state that's more in coherence with the body. And it's bringing us home to the body whenever we put attention on the body. And uh, yeah, the body feels less anxious. It can go into mm. away from fight or flight, into tend and befriend, and the system mm. turns over into just like when we sleep at night, um, our healing capacity increases because the activity of the brain isn't imposing um, extra information on the body to digest. So mm. this is what I feel like. I'm noticing in myself and in students that are consistent in their practice is that they're they're still able to go to beta frequency in the brain when needed to get tasks done and manage their lives, but they're living more in that alpha state, mm. which of course is yeah. more um, more of an open doorway towards the subconscious, where some of these creative inspirations are. But I believe what's mm. happening, you know, in the revolution that we're experiencing in our world, there's an opening between the logical aspect, the left brain and the right brain, the spatial, and this, this yin and yang aspect more in harmony versus um, the imbalance that we've seen in our yang-driven culture. Um, we're mm. opening more to these frequencies that come from abstract, yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, I think you're 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 tapping into a really important point, and and how qigong can be applicable, right? Because it's nice when you can you know feel this way in your class, but even nicer when you can feel those skills and strategies uh, making your life also better, making yourself more receptive, able to tune in. Yeah, like you said, that that baseline perhaps shifts from more of that like <clears throat> stressful kind of hyper mode of beta to everything's all right, like everything is fine. And there's that patience. And, and I think Qigong has that ability to balance our structure because yes, you can learn a very structured form. You can learn a very particular set of movements and at the same time, then you can tap into the spaciousness, the emptiness, the non-doing, the clarity, the openness, the listening, and that ability to kind of be uh, active and passive at the same time to, as you're speaking, also be listening, as you're moving, also be feeling. I think that is so applicable as human beings. I mean, who couldn't benefit from being in that state where we feel access to both parts of ourself that's so applicable yeah and hence the the name of your business balance for life it's not just this ability to balance physically on one leg or whatever mm. it's the balance internally 
that gets reflected externally in how we move our body and how we move through our life and our relationships. So that balance for life starts internally with the balancing of these two um, forces. I don't call them, a, I mean, we traditionally think of them as opposing forces, but I think of them more as um, balancing forces, right? Of the yin and the yang. They're, they're part of the same whole consciousness that just um, like, like going back to your analogy of the carpenter, you know, sometimes you need a saw for the project. Sometimes you need a hammer. And if you try to use your saw where you need a hammer and your hammer where you need a saw, you're not going to be very effective. <laughs> Probably frustrated. Yeah. So right. that these tools are really helpful in that way to help us know um, what state mm. of, of mind and heart and body we want to be in to address certain um, things arising in our life that need to be met. Sometimes we need to be more yang and sometimes we need to be more yin and sometimes we need to hold that balance. And it's never mm -hmm. static, right? It's always fluid, just like mm -hmm. the aging, it's always changing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you had mentioned um, kind of that process of teaching in person versus online. Yes. And um, I definitely want to address that because you're right, like our, our lives have shifted a lot online. You know, this tool, the ability to connect to people from a distance has been really, really incredible. It's been a lifesaver. You know, people are able to work from home. People are able to stay in touch with family and friends and to teach. Uh, it has so many advantages. Um, obviously, the, it's not perfect and it's not going to replace being in person. We still... I think have deeply ingrained needs to gather and to connect and to share space in person. And that is certainly very, very important. Um, I was a little bit surprised actually at, at how well the online classes have been going. I thought the last thing people want is, is more online time, but I found it's been this really incredible lifeline. And um, it has allowed me also to connect to students that I'd lost touch with from other places that I taught in other states at other times we now can kind of regather our community together and that's been really rewarding and really incredible uh, and, and meaningful um, and I'm also now hoping and, and planning and taking steps toward creating more in-person uh, connections I'm going to be starting in January to teach my first like in-person classes again in a long time uh, while maintaining my online stuff and really feeling drawn to building a community again and um, in the midst of what's going on now of course that's got its challenges um, but that's going to always be there even when these challenges come and go that need for human connection for community will always be there and um, I'm excited to to embark again on building an in-person community on top of our online community right now too um, but yeah I was curious was there any questions you had about maybe from the student's perspective or teacher's perspective about some of the nuances of teaching virtually. I know in my teacher training that, that I do, I, I now do my teacher trainings online. And uh, the last time we did it, last teacher training was uh, at the beginning of the pandemic. And uh, I was having to, we spent about half the time just helping teachers navigate the the teaching online world, how it works and what's the best practices and 
you know, I've had a lot of experience with that. So um, that's something, you know, uh, that, that I think all teachers are going to have to navigate and come out of their comfort zone in a lot of ways, you know, to put themselves online or put themselves in front of a camera. It's a very different feeling and it does require a little bit of a skill set and, and tools, but mm-hmm. ultimately it is, I think, going to have to be in our tool house if we're going to serve as many people as we want to as teachers. Yes. Yeah, I feel it too. I agree. Um, for myself, yeah. When the pandemic first came and we couldn't even go to the gym because it was closed, um, I just I just went with the evolutionary pulse to take some time off. So I figured, oh, this mm-hmm. is like good timing to just create space in my life to feel into what's what's what is this about? What's emerging? And then eventually... I realized part of my flow and staying connected to my intuitive channel requires that I teach, requires that I serve and share what's what's within me. And so I have that opportunity through doing my um, sessions online, my private sessions, um, which I, yeah, I always had that. But then, yeah, when I had to set up my home and space in my home to um, let people in sort of virtually and um, I found myself being like, you know, set director, hair, makeup. I know you didn't have that part, but <laughs> music, choreography, I lighting. Mean, just lighting. I was so overwhelmed, but in this really fun, creative way of trial and error, I didn't get it right. Mm-hmm. You know, initially um, had some technical stuff, but over time it really came together and became this production, right? And um mm-hmm. I think it really created a container for the practice in a way that, um, yeah, just, and then being able to record it and have it available for people who couldn't be there in person. And just now this class where these sequences come through spontaneously, um, I have a record of, right? Not that I really go back and look at it, but um the few times I did look at my videos, the first thing I did was like, oh man, I could just so, <laughs> all my wounding and all this, like, where I was so insecure. And, um, sure. you know, part of me was like, oh, I have to fix this. I have to do something different, I, you know? And then there was this other wisdom, like, no, that's part of, you know, the package. Like everyone's unique and we all have our, weaknesses and our strength and we don't want to you know pretend like that part's not there and just let it be part of what attracts and makes others feel comfortable so that was a big piece of my yeah exploration and um so we did like a year and a half probably of online classes and then um when we were able to go back to the club we have this really beautiful uh resort club that I teach at and we have a lot of outdoor space, which most people don't at that kind of Mm -hmm. facility. So we've been able to be outdoors teaching and having classes. And so I'm back to teaching in person, which I love and I teach Mm -hmm. on the beach when we can. Um, But I do feel that I am gonna be teaching online again for whatever reason, just as a compliment maybe to some Mm -hmm. of my um, classes, but also for the reason you mentioned that I can 
um, I have students in different parts of the world and state that would like to participate that aren't able to. And I do want to accommodate them and anyone else in the world that's interested in, you know, the integration that's happening here and the community that um, we're creating around that. So I'm, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And I, I see you as sort of my role model in the um, virtual space because you you're consistent and you've got it down and um yeah it's very professional but also very uh, approachable and um homey you know what I mean mm -hmm. it's just um it's both um I want to say casual mm -hmm. and professional if that makes sense mm -hmm. okay well I'm glad it comes across that way because I know, and you, you've certainly seen, I still have technical difficulties and, you know, issues with my microphone or music and um, the more technology you, you, you think you're adding a piece of technology, you're like, this will make things easier. And then it adds one more layer of complications, you know, one more thing to break down. So more thing to remember. sometimes, yeah, one more thing. Yeah. Oh, did I turn my microphone on or, oh, you know, is the music, how did the music go? So Yes, I, for new teachers, anybody who's getting into online teaching, start very simple. Yes, it it really doesn't matter. People <clears throat> people are there for you, for the class. Like they don't really. I think the things that they care about uh, probably aren't as important. Uh, you know, as things like we think the things that are really important they don't care about uh, in a lot of ways. So, um, you know, as long as people can hear you and see you there you'll you'll get your message across and um technology is is an amazing tool and it's so accessible now I mean, we can with just a, a phone or a laptop we can reach the whole world it's it's an incredible thing to think about um, that ability and as teachers i think that also gives us a an opportunity to be true to who we are and to really dive into our niche you know because with more teachers online with more teachers um, putting themselves out there, you can start to find your community. Maybe you really like working with people who have arthritis. Maybe you really like working with people of a certain age group. Maybe you really like people who have gone through similar experiences that you've gone through and that you've found tools that help you with. Um, I think teachers can really thrive when they find their niche and they find um, what really makes them excited to wake up and to show up and to go through all those challenges. Um, you know, I think a lot of teachers come out of a teacher training and they're like, okay, I just have to teach what I learned. And, um, they could kind of feel like they're, they're, you know, one fish in, in a, in a huge ocean. Um, but anybody who's feeling the call to teach, uh, it's, it's a really wonderful time because you really can just like TV right now, like on Netflix and Amazon and all these different programs. Now directors and filmmakers and artists and actors can now create these really niche stories and these really, you know, uh, unique expressions of that would never work on a mainstream audience, you know, with four channels that are going through all these layers in that same way that that has allowed all this creativity and all these options, the same thing's happening in the wellness world. And um, with those unintended consequences and inevitable challenges, it also presents an incredible opportunity that we get to have the ability to teach in our own way. We get to offer our particular gifts and finding them, embracing them and honing them 
uh, and then simply delivering them, I think is very, very possible. And uh, that's something I'm excited about when I see people joining the teacher training program is they're going to be working with people I won't reach that won't relate to me, or they'll be working with people that I don't have access to. And they're going to take these teachings and they're going to transform them, deliver them, package them in a way that is more suitable, that's more accessible, that's more relatable. Um, that's a beautiful thing. And, and technology has made that a lot easier from mm -hmm. my point of view. Yeah, for sure. And it's more even playing field. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, you can you can put yourself out there and anybody can find you. It's, it's um, yeah, you don't have to go through these channels, these gatekeepers anymore. Yeah, and it doesn't have to be perfect. I was talking with Nate about how, you know, as I relaunched myself as a, a host for conversations, I've done this in the past for several years, but um, I'm showing up more now with this casual spontaneity um, and not trying to, follow all the rules of a podcast or um, that make it considered professional or not, but just to start with where I'm at and then let it evolve as I get, you know, feel into my own rhythm, the next step and the next and the next. And then, um, yeah, just trust and start where you are and um, you'll be guided to the next step for bringing more of what is inside of you forward. And that's really what I'm noticing in everything I've studied in my whole life. I've been a student my whole life and um, just a love, love learning and a diversity of topics and subjects. And what I realize is everything I've studied and learned is just adding another language, if you will, to help me describe and share the wisdom that's here that wants to be shared, right? So I'm not studying yoga or Qigong or human design or gene keys or all the things I've studied, biogeometry. There's just, the list is endless. Those systems that I'm attracted to and I go into um, that field and I um, am altered by that information and I now have this palette of colors, if you will, vibrations that I can pull from in order to create the environment and the language that is carrying the transmission that's here um, to others and making that available. So yeah, it's like a vehicle. All this knowledge is a vehicle and we, we kind of put those different parts together in a synthesis that creates this unique vehicle that gives us the freedom to share what's inside of us, you know, that wants to be known, that consciousness, mm. that unique consciousness. And yeah, there's another piece yeah. that I just totally lost, but. Um, mm. Well, I can see that, you know, and I think your, your students recognize that in you that you bring your whole self into what you're doing. And there's a saying, the more personal, the more universal. Mm -hmm. And I think that your sincere uh, quest for discovering these truths through so many different paths, uh, putting yourself on the path and basically being a companion, uh, I think is so refreshing and so inviting. And 
I think that's a big part of the magic that you bring to your students and to your classes is because you are in it with us, you know, you're, we're in this together and your discovery, your, your joy of finding a new way of delivering this magic and energy, uh, I think adds to the potency of, of what you're offering. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for that. It helped me remember what I wanted to share. And that is that what's inside of us can't, it's the Tao, right? It can't be described by words, but we do our best to use the words that uh, create and string them together, sort of like you use that analogy before about language that, that matches the frequency that is within us wanting to be shared, we're always attracting the language that is the best carrier of that. And eventually we get to where we no longer need the language, we don't need words, we just emanate it. And um, that is the offering. But I'm not at that point, so I'm still gathering the knowledge and the, the more refined um, techniques and philosophies that can do justice to what's here wanting to be brought forward. Um, so the fact that we are both students and um, teachers of yoga and Qigong and um, we have other interests in common says that, you know, we're tracking something similar and we're at a similar mm -hmm. sort of um, phase in our, if you would call it evolution, I don't think consciousness isn't evolving, but the forms through which consciousness expresses itself mm -hmm. is, are evolving to give it more freedom. And mm -hmm. I've shared these quotes a few times, people might be tired of hearing me share them, but it's really important mm -hmm. to, to recognize what is what we truly are is consciousness, yeah? And mm -hmm. consciousness is seeking a form that allows its fullest expression. And these forms are going through an evolutionary change in order to bring more bandwidth and freedom to consciousness. Mm -hmm. And then um, that quote was by David Bohm and Carl mm -hmm. Sagan's quote is, somewhere something incredible is waiting to be known. And that is, uh -huh, I like that. Yeah, that is consciousness too, wanting to reveal itself in ways that it's free beyond the limitation of the current form. So my mantra is combining those quotes and that to say that consciousness is seeking a form that allows something incredible to be known. And that's the pressure, if you will. I feel inside of me, the creative pressure to mm. remove any obstacles to that. And in the, in the Buddhist tradition, it's called a terma, and it's a, a hidden knowledge that is meant to come into the world at a particular time of need. And I feel mm. like there's, there's termas that are wanting to come through and, and be known at this time that are bringing those solvable answers um, mm -hmm. and I don't think it's a single individual that's going to bring the terma of our time forward but a group of individuals yeah 
and that's called a teraton. Um, the teraton is the carrier of the terma, terma. So I feel like you're one of those individuals and walking the planet, you know, um, giving consciousness more and more bandwidth to reveal itself and to recognize itself in everything as mm. itself. Mm. That's beautiful. I think so. I think that there's anybody listening to this is likely being called as well. I think that we come together and we we are seeking out and we are finding those who are kind of heading in the same direction. You know, if we if we're all kind of heading the same direction, pretty soon we'll start meeting other people along the path and we'll harmonize and we'll unify and we'll recognize our our friends who have set these same intentions however long ago and continue to set these intentions and continue to walk this path and that's what's so fun about this work is that you do you get to meet such amazing people who are uh who are on the same path and who are bringing this work forward in their own unique and creative ways um that's been really rewarding that's been one of the best parts about being a teacher as well yeah thank you uh, so yeah i just want to say this is um it's december 22nd and you're gonna have your first baby's first christmas in a few days so i'm very excited for you your family mm -hmm. um and you're gonna have a teacher training shortly after the first of the year you've got some things going on you're gonna be teaching out in the world again physically so as we wrap up this conversation let people know how they can uh, reach you find out more about what you're up to your offers and I know you have a free bow yoga class coming up too on the first of the year uh, online so people anywhere can join yeah yeah let's wrap it up with nice yeah your offers you. you're very generous and creative offers thank you yeah I appreciate that it's it's uh it's uh, depending on when you're hearing this. Yeah, if you're, if you're hearing this before the first of the year, join us um, <clears throat> for New Year's at 10 a.m. Pacific. We're doing a bow yoga class. And if you don't have your own bow yoga staff, you can, you know, find something makeshift, uh, you know, a broomstick or whatever. But it is a lot nicer to have something flexible. Um, you can buy these on bowyoga.com website. Uh, you can get them with a package with some videos, some online classes along with the staff. They come in three sizes. You've got a four foot, a five foot, a six foot. Uh, so depending on your height, if you're, you know, five foot something, a five foot staff is, is great. If you're six foot something, the six foot staff is best uh, for kids or for certain, you know, if you just want to do spins, the four footer is a nice tool as well. Uh, I just also made some, I have an eight month old baby. So I've been cutting them into different pieces. And so now I have a, a three footer, I have a two footer, and we just made a one footer. It's like this little baby bow. You can use it for like tapping on your shoulders, you know, spinning through your joints, fingers. So it's really fun. Even within the bow staff, there's all these new, you know, the size even just opens up these new possibilities. Um, my niece has been using one to learn how to walk with, <laughs> a little walking stick for her kids. Um, so that's that's been really fun. So bow yoga is evolving and growing. And the more people that get involved, the more it grows and expands. And it really, it feels like, um, this just wants to get out in the world. Like you said, it's like, it's like waiting to be discovered. It's, it's the secret that like, as soon as people discover it, they're like, where have you been? It's such a simple idea, but it has so many possibilities. And 
uh, that's what really gives me joy is seeing somebody for the first time, like, wow, this feels so good. Or, oh my gosh, I can do this pose now. Or um, it just, it, it, it can unlock these new experiences for people and, and refresh them on their course. And that's very rewarding. Um, so yeah, Bo Yoga, I teach uh, Bo Yoga classes online. I teach Qigong classes online. I also have a Balance for Life class, which is designed for uh, people who are beyond middle age who want to learn, you know, who really just want to focus on strength and balance. I've worked with people in their 80s and 90s, 100 years old, and hopefully we all get to that age. And when you get to that age, you're going to realize that the most uh, one of the most important things you could do for your health is to really keep your strength and keep your balance. That's how you're going to sustain your independence, your energy, your ability to do the things you want to do. Um, we hope that, of course, the mental capacity stays. There's a little bit less perhaps we can do about that. There's a lot you can do for strength and balance. So if you have friends or uh, parents or anybody who's in those, uh, you know, beyond middle age, or if it's yourself and you're wanting, you're starting to feel like, hey, my balance isn't <laughs> quite so strong. I'm stumbling. I want to keep hiking. Uh, the Balance for Life class is, is perfect for that. We use hand weights. We use um, body weight. We don't do anything on the floor. It's very accessible. Um, and yeah, I'm teaching a, a Bo Yoga teacher training for anybody who wants to integrate the Bo staff into their existing classes, or even just students who want to dive into a deeper understanding um, and more applications. Uh, that's that's available in February. Um, but yeah, you can always check the websites and stay in touch. You can email me, nate at boyoga.com. I love hearing from people. You can just reach out if you have questions or uh, ideas or resources anybody wants to share with me. I, I love passing those along to students. And uh, I have a newsletter that, that keeps you in touch so you can get on that. And anybody who's not on uh, Cindy's newsletter, the, uh, the, the weekly um, thoughts and ideas and, and the, the ideas you pull together, it's, it's really just a work of art. It's, it's beautiful. I love, I look forward to your newsletters every week and um, they're filled with inspiration, with personal stories resources so if somehow you haven't gotten on that yet make sure you, you sign up for that too um that's that's always a, just a fantastic resource oh thanks Nate. yes if you want if you're not signed up and you want you can go to avalabeachqigong.com a-v-i-l-a beach qigong.com <laughs> that's a long one um yeah i'd love to have many people that want to be inspired by all that we're offering I just see more and more um, communal exchanges happening between us and I'm hoping to have Nate come to Avila Beach and teach a bow yoga class or some qigong on the beach yeah he's um, in Beaverton Oregon so not as many chances to play on the beach as we have but um I have had an invitation to come to Ashland for uh, a friend that lives up there. Um, so I was thinking, I don't know how far is it like 300 miles? Are you 300 miles? Yeah, Ashland is southern southern Oregon. We're up in the north. So yeah, it's probably from Portland, probably five hours drive um, to get to Ashland from where I am. But Ashland's an amazing place. You should definitely go. Okay, yeah. All right. Well, thank you for your time, my friend. And um, mm -hmm. yeah, we'll be in touch for sure. And I appreciate you and all you bring. And I just, yeah, I can't say enough about your creativity and 
Um, hopefully we can share some of your diagrams and uh, maybe some links with this um, podcast and video. Maybe you can put mm -hmm. a couple of links in to your website and to um, at least the three pillars diagram. And if not that eight limb yoga one, that one's just so brilliant. And happy to Perfect. have you in my life and to, yeah, mm -hmm. have a brother on the path that is just as inspired and um, in direction of service and community building around these concepts and traditions and where they want to go next. So, thank you. That means a lot to me, and I, I'm super excited to collaborate with you more. And um, yeah, I, I invite anybody who's listening to come along with us. It's a really fun ride, and uh, I, I think we're going to have some fun co creations in the uh, near future. Yeah. Thank you so much. The beginning, just the beginning. All right. Mm. Thank you, everyone, for mm. tuning in. I appreciate your support and interest, and we'll do more conversations like this. And so, yeah, your feedback's welcome and appreciated. Bye for now. <laughs>